0: Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that He has called you to do. Uh, And then tomorrow is a bit of a holiday. I don't know if you guys know this. Um... Tomorrow is like my wife's Christmas and Easter and like it is a, it is on, tomorrow's my wife's Super Bowl. So uh, Valentine's is a full contact sport in my house. Uh, This woman loves love. She loves all the the warm, fuzzy feelings of emotion and love. Janet's got her love heart sweatshirt on to her, that's her team for Valentine's Day uh, is love. So Wayne, congratulations. Yes, good. Uh, Some some people love love. We're actually going to talk about love today. Uh, Which is going to be hard because in 2022, we're only talking about seven things. So I had to somehow squeeze these two things together because it doesn't seem to fit. Um, So if you don't know, in in 2022, we're believing God to advance, to take ground in seven areas. Uh, To recap, those seven areas are living a supernatural lifestyle, evangelism, discipleship, the next generation, so kids and youth, in finances, in world missions and in our influence in the community. So every message that we do is gonna be out of one of those seven things. Um, So, by the way, we encouraged you, everybody should be reading or have read the book by Chris Vallotton, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. And if you have not ordered one on Amazon, we ordered another case. So um, please take, they're already paid for, please take for free a copy of Poverty, Riches, and Wealth from the Connect table. If you're going to take the book, read it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't just be like, I got 12 bucks. You're like, no, go read it and then go get 12,000 bucks because God wants to transition and transform your way of thinking about money and break off any poverty orphan mentality. You're not an orphan. You have a father uh, of all fathers. You have the king of kings. You have been adopted into his family. He wants to bless you and love on you and and not think like a poverty mentality. I, 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 I saw this thing this week, which I'm not talking about, but I just couldn't not say it. I don't know much about farming. Obviously, being from the Washington D.C. area, we didn't have a lot of farms. There weren't like a lot of tractors, you know, uh, in in my, my growing up. But um, I have Googled, and I know what a stalk of wheat looks like. Uh, there's, of course, the stalk, and then at the top, there's that little, you know, n- nugget thing where it's got all the little pods of wheat, and then the the, the actual wheat kernel is surrounded by by chaff, uh, kind of like a coat that protects it. Um, and the interesting thing is. The only thing that matters isn't the stock and isn't the chaff. It's the little nugget of wheat in the middle. So we're talking about advancing. But even when we advance, there's things that need to be discarded. Even when we are looking for the kernel of wheat, there's still things that don't get to go into making bread. They literally just get thrown out. So that's true of our lives. We want to advance, but sometimes there's there's aspects or areas or things in our life that God wants to take the kernel and get rid of the chaff from our life. It's like it's like it's like he's pruning a, a bush or a tree. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said in John chapter 15, "I am the vine. My Father, he's the vine dresser." So just in case you just leave that verse up for a second. Go back to verse 1. Wh- who is the vine? Jesus, you guys are grade A Bible school students. Jesus said, I am the vine. Who is the vine? Much better, thank you. Full class participation. Who is the vine dresser? The Father, the Father God. Which means that the Father is looking at who is connected to the vine. So sometimes we boil down like Christianity in 2022 is I go to that church. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying that the Father God in heaven is looking to see who are you connected to, who are you drawing life from, who are you um, attached to that's, that's bearing fruit in your life. Let's go on to verse two. Every branch that is in Jesus that does not bear fruit, the Father's gonna take away. Oh, snap. Like what happened to like nice, fluffy, happy Jesus? Like, why is he talking about cutting branches off? But then look at the reward for the branches that are doing well. Every branch that does bear fruit, he's going to prune it. The reward for success is pruning. Why? So that it can bear more fruit. Jesus said, I love you so much that if you're bearing fruit, occasionally I'm going to chop off parts of you. The price for not producing fruit in the kingdom of God is to be thrown, cut off, thrown out, and burned. The, the reward for success in the kingdom of God, if you're going to advance even more, is he says, I'm going to chop part of you off so that there can be more growth there. We don't always picture the Lord talking to us like that. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I don't, I don't do needles like like, I, I, I could sin, I could even fall into sin. I can guarantee you I will never fall into sin that requires me to put a needle in my body. I could sin in a thousand other ways, but not that one. I just, I don't do needles. This is so sad. I threw my back out a year ago, two years ago now, and I went to my doctor, and he's like, my doctor's also a chiropractor, so he cracked me, and that didn't help. I was in agony. He goes, well, if you don't mind, I just wanna give you um, a shot with just some, some pain number just to get you through the next few hours, and I'm like, oh. I'm like a 40-something-year-old man. This was two years ago, 45-year-old man, right? So he's like, all right, just go in there, whatever. He goes and gets his Novocaine thing, whatever it was. He's like, all right, bend over, and he alcohols my back. And then I feel the prick. And I'm like, there's a needle in my body. And then I thought it was over. And then he went to the other side of my spine and did it there. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. 12 shots later. I passed out. (laughs) I love how you're laughing. I am so afraid of needles that when he just kept jabbing me up my spine just to give me some relief, I passed out on the table. But here I am, a Christian, like, Lord, I wanna grow, I wanna advance in these areas, I wanna bear much fruit for you, and he comes with like a big lopper saw looking thing. I'm like, whoa, bro, I don't even do needles. It would be normal to resist the vine dresser wanting to prune you. Yeah. It would be normal that when you're in a time, a service like this, you're in worship and you're like, yes, Lord, anything for you. I want to advance in my heart, my life, my marriage, my faith, my ministry. And the Lord's like, hmm, well, I want to lop all of this off and throw it away. That you would be like, mmm. It's normal to resist the pruning, but it takes great faith and maturity to be like, yeah, Lord, whatever you want, have your way. See, when the Lord asks us to advance, it means I'm here in my world. This is my church. This is my you group. This is my dream team. This is my family. My whole Christian life exists here. And the Lord's like, yeah, but I'd like you to advance in those seven areas. To take new ground means we need to leave the place that we're most comfortable. See, here I feel at peace. Here I feel in control. Here I, I feel like I can hang with this. And the Lord's like, come on. Come over here. And you're like... I don't wanna leave this place of comfort and strength. He's like, dude, come through here. Now, granted, you're gonna to have to go on the narrow road. Jesus also uses the example, you're gonna to have to go through the, the eye of a needle. Like, you're gonna to have to, like, to, to advance with the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's not comfortable and it's not easy. And He asks us to leave things there. It's as if we're like, I finally arrived in my Christian faith where I've got two fish and five loaves. And He's like, yeah those aren't gonna fit through the eye of the needle. You can't take those with you to the place that I'm calling you to go. And I'm asking you to give up that thing that you feel most comfortable with and that you love so much. And the, the ironic thing is, we feel like we're making such a sacrifice. We, 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 we advance, we, we, we do the you group, we serve on a dream team, we give financially, we give up smoking, we give up porn, we give up alcohol, we, we, we start doing the things and going deeper into the things of God. And we're like, oh, yes. And then he gives us so much more back in return. Because we put what our offering was into the hands of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he holds on it and multiplies it and then on the other side of our faith he gives back to us so much more. Some might say pressed down, shaken together and running over. So where is God asking you to go next? Because you might not be able to take everything with you. I don't even have to pray about it and I can, I can help you pray through these things. If, if you're not serving in the church on one of our dream teams, let's start right there. Don't have to pray about it because it's already in the Bible. You should sign up and start serving on a team. If you're not um, tithing, don't have to pray about it. It's already in the Bible. If you are still sinning habitually, you're still getting drunk, you're still getting um, angry, and still cussing at people and flipping them off on 183, you're stealing from your work, you're looking at porn, and you're like, yeah, I wanna go to the deeper places on the narrow road. He's like, yeah, all of that has gotta stay over there. Don't even have to pray about it. If you have like some sort of rotten, selfish, you know, attitude, I don't have to pray about it. Just repent and ask God for hope and peace and joy because that cannot go with you to the new place that God's calling you to go. So that wasn't my message. I just felt like I should spend eight minutes talking about some stuff. Here's the message. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. And when I was praying this week, yesterday, um, I saw Ben and Allison Sparks and we were talking through some things and uh, Allison was like, hey, you excited about the message for tomorrow? What are you speaking about? And I'm like, oh, I don't wanna say. Because what I wanted to preach about was like, power, faith, moving, kingdom of God, yeah. And the Lord's like, I want you to preach on love. And I'm like, you want me to preach on love on Valentine's Day? That is so basic. (laughs) And the Lord was like, bro, you are so much more basic than you think you are. (laughs) And then the Lord's like, I am literally love. Are you calling me basic? And I'm all like, open your Bible to Revelation chapter (laughs) 2. And we're going to talk about love. If you don't know what's going on in the book of Revelation, there's a guy named John who's stuck on an island, and he has these visions. God's speaking to him prophetically. Pulls out his iPad, starts writing it all down. If you think that they had iPads 2,000 years ago, boy, you need freedom track. (laughs) Early in the book of Revelation, John sees Jesus in heaven writing seven letters and sending them to seven churches, well-known churches in the Mediterranean world. And in that, Jesus is holding his iPad, and he's typing out the emails that are going to go to these seven churches. But he's standing in heaven in a place where there's seven lampstands. Now, in the Bible and in the kingdom of God, where there is a lampstand, there is the presence of God. So Jesus is standing among his own presence. And John wrote down this revelation. He wrote down what Jesus wrote to these seven churches. And I think too often when we read scripture, we read it through American, Texas, 2022 goggles. But we have to remember the time period when John was writing this down. We have to remember the time period when Jesus was writing these letters to these seven churches. In the Roman world, because Rome dominated all of the Mediterranean world at that time, in the Roman world, it was extremely difficult to be a Christian Like, Emperor Nero had just gone through a whole season where he was literally killing Christians for sport. It was like one of those movies where a rich guy buys an island and then, like, hunts them. Except it was all the Christians in Rome and in the Roman world. Nero, the emperor, was gunning down Christians. Now, Nero's gone, and now it's Emperor Domiton. And it was less about killing Christians as it was about killing Christianity, And he was trying to appeal to the Roman Gentile people, stop following this Jewish Messiah. Like, stop believing in this Jesus guy and just act like a good Gentile Roman. Like, knock it off. So the letters that Jesus is writing to these churches are people that are having a very difficult time being a Christian. They do not have the freedom to worship the way we do. They do not have the, the, the freedom to, to, to publicly love Jesus the way they do. Or under Nero, they would have been killed. Under Domitian, he would seek to destroy their, their faith, which would drive their churches into people's homes. Where it could be done in secret and in private. And the Lord Jesus is calling the church under these circumstances to remain faithful, even though it's extremely difficult. So they're being persecuted for following Jesus. But Jesus promises, listen, if you will remain faithful, I will give you a great reward. If you will overcome the spirit of this world, what John recorded is if you will conquer the spirit of this world, I will give you a reward in the kingdom of heaven. And can I just tell you something? Jesus still rewards people that do not bow their knee to the culture of this world and that will live out the culture of the kingdom of heaven wherever they go. There's still a reward for doing what's right in the kingdom of heaven. The very first letter uh, that Jesus wrote was to a church uh, in the city of Ephesus. And now that is on the, the modern day western coast of um, the the, the now modern-day country of Turkey. It is a beautiful, beautiful uh, area, uh, a part of the Mediterranean. Waters are that that, that deep, rich, turquoise blue, clear water, sunshiny sun, ocean breezes. Um, But the church in Ephesus is having a very difficult time. Jesus writes this letter. John records it. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. To the angel in the church of Ephesus write this. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Talking about Jesus. Jesus says this in verse two. Listen, church. I know your works. I know your toil. I know your patient endurance. I know how you cannot bear when other people are being evil. I know how you have tested uh, those who call themselves apostles, but they're not. They're just liars. And you found them to be so. Verse three. three. I know, Ephesus Church, that you guys are enduring patiently and you are bearing up for the name of Jesus' sake. And I know that y'all have not grown weary. Jesus is like, dude, I am watching your church closely. I am a subscriber on the YouTube, and I am a big fan of what y'all do. I have downloaded the church app, and I have checked in. I have followed what is happening at the church in Ephesus. Jesus watches church. Jesus watches church. Jesus watches how we serve. Jesus watches how we give. Jesus watches how we worship. Jesus watches whether or not we bow our knee to the culture of this world or we declare the kingdom of God wherever we go. And Jesus, in this case, is celebrating the church in Ephesus. He's like, Ephesus, you're awesome. And I love you and I am so proud of you. Keep doing awesome. Keep up the good work. You have built an awesome church and I'm so proud of you. And then Jesus turns around with the loppers to start pruning. And we're like, whoa, whoa, what happened to verse three, Jesus? Why do we have to have verse four, Jesus? Verse four. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and go back and do the things you did at first. If not, I'm gonna come to you but I'm gonna come to remove my lampstand unless you repent. Oh, that one stings, Jesus. Jesus in verse six says, I, I'm so glad you hate the work of the Nickelodeons, I don't like that TV show. <laughs> I looked it up, Bible scholars can't agree, so there's nothing really there. Like ooh, what's the inner truth of those people I, that, Depends on which Bible scholar you listen to, but there's not enough agreement that I can, I can even give you a nugget. Verse seven, he who has an ear at uncommon church 2,000 years later, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. To the one who conquers, I will grant him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Oh, hello. We get to eat of the same tree that's in, that was in paradise, that's in heaven? What do we have to do to do that? Repent and return to your first love. Jesus is celebrating the church's commitment. Jesus is celebrating the church's kids program. Jesus is celebrating how well they park people. Jesus is celebrating all that the church is doing. He's like, you guys are amazing. I I love that you live holy. I love that you hate sin. I love that you love righteousness. And Jesus is like, thank you for being faithful because there's other letters that Jesus is about to write where churches are not being faithful. But then Jesus is like, Snip, snip, I need to prune some things off of you because you need to return to your first love. Married people, do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with your spouse? And the longer you've been married, like the fuzzier those memories get. But do you remember what it was like in the first love? 26 years ago, this Tuesday, is when Josie and I were engaged. We got engaged the day after Valentine's Day, 1996. Now, we weren't dating because we didn't date. We were just friends that we worked together at a church, but God was just crashing our hearts and lives and destinies together. So we had fallen in love with one another, even though we were just friends. So we got to this place in our friendship and our relationship when our hearts were beating out of our chest for one another, and on I guess that would have been Valentine's Day, the night of Valentine's Day. We um, went to two separate locations and just prayed for hours and hours and hours to seek God, if if this other person was our spouse. And then that very next morning, we got engaged. Didn't have a ring, all I had is a word from God, and it was confirmed by her parents. Young people, it's important to get your parents involved in the marriage-making decision. And amen from the parents quiet from the young people. (laughs) If your parents aren't believers and can't hear from God, Josie and I can help you. Jeff and Danny can help you. Josh and Lene can help you. Like, but, but get some confirmation. We got engaged, and the moment we got engaged, the moment she said yes, there was a tidal wave of, like, romantic feelings. And I, like, all of my first love feelings, I could not stop thinking about her. I could not stop spending time with her. I could not stop looking at her. I couldn't stop spending money on her. I couldn't stop doing stuff for her. She was all of my money, every every thought I had, everything was focused on this girl, 24 seven. Jesus is calling the church back to that kind of love for God. Jesus is saying, hey, your church is amazing, but I want you to think about me I want you to to spend time with me. I want you to worship me. I want you to give to me. I want you to serve me. He's basically saying, you're so good at church, you're just bad at God. You're good at having church. You're bad at loving me. Don't become a professional Christian. See, sometimes we're so impressed with our Christianity, a church will grow, and we're so impressed with our church. No. No. It doesn't matter how big the church gets. It doesn't matter how big you get spiritually. It's all a work of grace. He is the one that we adore, not the church. He is the one that grows us from the inside. So part of the reason why I struggled with this message, being on love and it's Valentine's Day and that's basic, is I'm like, Lord, every sermon has to be about the seven areas of advancing. And he's like, dude, if y'all don't fall totally in love with Jesus and I remove my lampstand, how are you gonna live a supernatural lifestyle with no lampstand? It's like, oh, Snap. Jesus be lopping on the loppers. That's the right word, right? Because it sounds like I'm saying something wrong. But it's a lopper is what you do to trim bushes and trees and vines. Sounds like I'm saying something dirty. Like your Valentine's lopper. Wow, that got weird. I went to a steakhouse this week. Um, Well, I took, the guy that donated the land that we sold that brought, in $450,000 for the church. Um, I took him out to lunch this week at a nice steakhouse, and the steak was below average, and I'm not even gonna tell you where I ate. You wanna know why? I don't tell people to eat at bad restaurants. I was trying to be nice to the guy. He had the swordfish, said it was amazing, thank God. Why would you get fish at a steak restaurant? And that's never here nor there. I tell people every time I eat an amazing taco, I tell people when I finally find New York style pizza in Texas, which is rare, just because it says New York style on the window does not mean it's New York style pizza. I tell people when I eat an amazing steak because when I've tasted something that's amazing, I want everybody to know about it. We can't be evangelists for Jesus if we don't love him like we did when we first loved him. We're not going to tell anybody about him. Ask yourself, when was the last time you excitedly told somebody about Jesus? And the longer you've been a Christian, for a lot of you, we're talking years. Why? You've lost your first love. Let's talk about the next generation. Let's talk about kids. Let's talk about youth. You want to destroy the church of the future? Destroy the family of today. So that's why the devil hates marriage. That's why the devil hates godly family. Is he's trying to destroy destroy the church of tomorrow by destroying the family today. So married couples with kids, perhaps we should rekindle our desperate love for Jesus and for one another. Why? So there will be a church in the future. Jesus is warning the church in Ephesus. He's like, you guys are so great at church, you just no longer have a passionate love for me. It's like you're tolerating Jesus instead of celebrating Jesus. So verse 4, he's like, dude, I'm telling you, you have abandoned Your first love. And you know me, I kind of, which is funny because I'm not a super Bible teacher, but I do geek out on old Hebrew words and old Greek words sometimes. So I I went to the Greek and I looked up this word for abandoned because Jesus said, you've abandoned your first love. And I'm like, what does that word mean? And it was weird, just like last Sunday. It wasn't a word, it's a phrase. And the phrase is to leave or abandon like a spouse divorcing their spouse. And I was like, skull emoji, because I'm dead. (laughs) Just crossbones and a tombstone. Jesus is saying, don't divorce me. Don't abandon the love that we had. If you've never been through a divorce, it's a special kind of pain. For the one who is left in the marriage when the other person leaves, it's a special kind of abandonment. It's a special kind of emptiness. If you've never been a child who's been through a divorce... I'm a grown man. I still remember the pain of divorce as a child. When one parent forsakes a marriage and walks out, forsakes the covenant and walks out, the children are gonna feel that for generations to come. And Jesus is like, hey, don't forget your first love. Don't forget that passionate love that you used to have when you first became a Christian. Don't you remember you used to read your Bible like it was your daily bread and you would starve without it? Don't you remember that every time church was, was open, you were there? Every time the U group was on, you were there? Every time the doors were open, you were there because you were hungry. You used to cry out and worship and lift your heart and lift your hands and lift your voice. You would press into his presence, and now you're, you don't even come on time for worship anymore. You just skip and watch the live stream and keep down the worship tune down and then turn it up when Brad talks. You used to serve on a team before COVID. You would serve people so well. You'd serve our babies, and you'd serve in the parking lot, and you'd serve coffee, and you'd serve in prayer, and you'd serve in worship, but now it's like, well, after COVID, I just don't serve anymore. You can't serve sitting at home watching a live stream. The raging fire of the love that you used to have for Jesus was like burned down to little embers, and they're about to become ash which is why the Apostle Paul told the church that Timothy was pastoring, this is the reason that I'm reminding you, fan into flame the gift of God that I gave to you when I laid my hands on you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. Jesus is like, dude, don't make me remove my lampstand from you. Fan back into flame your desperate love for me. Fan into flame your love for worship. Fan into flame your love for the word. Fan into flame your love for holiness. Fan into flame your love to serve. Renew your first love. When, when Josie and I first got engaged and we weren't just friends and now we were fixing to get married, there was no Facebook so I couldn't tell but I just would tell everybody. I told, hey, did you hear Josie and I are engaged? Who are you, what's your name and who's Josie? Like I, I just, I told everybody. Can I get $10 on pump Two? and I'm engaged to a hot red-headed girl from Sweden? <laughs> I just told everybody. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus like that? Like, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Because he forgave me of my sin and he put a a crown on my head and a robe on my back and a ring on my finger. I'm royalty in the kingdom of heaven because of Jesus. He's amazing. He's my first love. Don't divorce Jesus. Don't abandon your faith with Jesus. Don't walk out on your faith with Jesus. Married people. It is Valentine's. We'll talk about it a little bit. So Josie and I are coming up on 26 years of marriage. I don't want our marriage to become passionless just because time has gone by. I need to fan into flame the passion that I have for my wife, even after all these years of marriage. Why? Because I don't want a roommate. I want a lover of my soul. I want to be like 22-year-old Brad that was passionate about that girl. I want to be passionate about Jesus. So in the same way that if in your marriage you have allowed your marriage to become a roommate situation, you've allowed sin, you've allowed selfishness, you haven't been dying to yourself to serve your spouse, you need to today repent and turn back to your spouse and say, honey, I'm so sorry I haven't been treating you like a passionate first love young person. The same is what we do with God, which is why Jesus was like, hey, if, if you're abandoning, if you're divorcing your faith, repent and turn back to God. Do you remember what it was like when you first gave your heart to Jesus? So many of us, we come to Jesus with heavy burdens on our heart. We come to Jesus with pain. We come to Jesus with abuse. We come to Jesus with unforgiveness for others. We come to Jesus with sin. And he's like, yeah, let me remove all of those burdens for you. Let me take them on my back to the cross. And we feel so light and we feel feel so free. We feel like we could run a million miles. But then the devil begins to trick us. And over time, we take back the unforgiveness. We take back the pain. We take back the anxiety. We take back the abuse. We take back the adultery. We take back pornography. We take back addiction. We take back the pain and the weight. And we're like, we're still in church. But we are trying to bear the weight that he took to the cross. And our hearts are so burdened. And we struggle, we're like, well it's just tough to be a Christian. Well of course you're doing it wrong. Let him carry all that pain. Which is why he said in verse five, remember therefore from how far you have fallen. Repent and go back to do the first things that you did when you first got right with Jesus. If not, I'm gonna remove the lampstand from your life. You've fallen back into the same worldly patterns that you did before you loved Jesus. So go back and do the things that you did when you first loved Jesus. Repent and turn back to God. Repent and return to your first love. Why? Because if you don't, Jesus is going to remove his lampstand. So many Christians and so many churches have had their lampstand removed and they don't even know it because they're so good at being a church. They're so good at being Christians. They don't even know that Christ has left the room. Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, what we should do, on Common Church, is strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What's the sin that so easily trips you up? What's the sin that you do once a week? Some, hopefully not much more than that. <laughs> What's the sin that trips you? Anger, lust, pride, unforgiveness, drugs, porn, what's the sin that trips you up? And you're like, doggone it, I can't believe I did it again. Oops, I did it again. There's a joke for anybody in their 30s or early 40s. It was a very narrow window with that one. If you're over 45, you're not going to get it. Under 35, you won't get it. And he's saying, strip off all of that sin, strip off all of that weight, strip off all of that pain that you're carrying and run the race with endurance that God has set before you. We do this how? By keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the lover of our soul, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the champion. Fix your eyes on your first love. He is the one who took all of your pain and sickness and sin to the cross so that we would never have to die. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not just on Sunday morning, Well, it's Texas and all, and I go to that church. So we got to think about Jesus. Let's think about Jesus, y'all. Because it's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. for most of you, it's 10, 15. So we got to think about Jesus. Get into church. Why, he's really going after people for late for church. Stop being late for church. It dishonors God. A guy loved you so much, he died on a cross for you. Show up for church on time. You don't go to work late 15 minutes every day. If you did, you'd be fired. It just, it, to me, it just dishonors God. And you know what? Especially if you're the, you that are parents that are raising children and keep coming to church late, your kids are gonna backslide. Your great grandkids are gonna go to hell because you can't get to church on time. This stuff matters. Wow, Brad's really hot. I don't want your lampstand removed. You're never going to grow a big church if you yell at people. I don't care about growing a big church. I want to grow big Christians with deep roots that love their first love. Your greatest encounters with God shouldn't even be on a Sunday morning. Your greatest encounters with God should be with your family and your Spotify worship playlist and your Bible in your living room. Your greatest God encounters should be laying on your face next to your bed and just praying in tongues for an hour. Your greatest God encounters should be not at church on Sunday morning. This should be one of many encounters you have with Jesus. So how do we do that? Strip off the weights that so easily trip you up. So many of us have had an affair in our hearts with sin. We keep going back to sin. And he's like, dude, you gotta stop. Stop. You gotta repent. And I mean, no, just... In this generation, repentance is like this. My bad, God. It's like we could rob a bank and be like, my bad, bank. There's more to repentance than just, my bad, sorry I got caught. If you're dealing with secret sin, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, in the very mighty name of Jesus, men with men, women with women, Tell somebody today, I have been stealing money. I have been doing this thing. I am getting high. I am getting drunk. I am having an affair. I'm, st- I'm doing something that I want to be exposed. So men with men, women with women, tell somebody today. Don't keep that thing hidden in the dark because without accountability, there's no motivation for you to change. I also want you to examine your circle of friends. Who do you run with? I often talk to people that struggle with drugs. The addiction, man, it's like all they can think about. And I'm like, hey, what happened? Fell off the wagon. He's like, well, I ran into an old friend. I'm like, of course you did. I I wasn't gonna get high, but you know, one thing led to another. Who's in your circle of friends? Who do you tell inappropriate jokes to? Who do you get high with? Who do you drink with? Who do you cuss with? Who do you get angry with? you got to get people out of your circle of friends that are the ones that easily destroy. Why? Because you want to look at everybody who's close to you. I'm not talking about people you're ministering to. I'm not talking about unsaved family, unsaved friends at work that you're ministering to. I'm talking about your inner circle. Make sure everybody in your inner circle has a lampstand. Don't put people in your inner circle that don't have the presence of God. I've seen this through COVID the last two years, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's not neglect meeting together as some people do. But instead, let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Get into a U Group, I'm begging you. Go to uncommonchurch.tv forward slash U Groups or groups or whatever it's called and sign up for a U Group today. Build relationships with people in this church. Serve on a dream team. Be an usher, be on the worship team, be on the prayer team, work with our kids, and you'll be building relationships with other people in church. Get around people that inspire you. Like, if if when worship was so bananas earlier and you're like, this is not for me, I can't wait to go to a church that doesn't act like this, why? Why wouldn't you want to put yourself around people that inspire you? Because I'm from Texas and this is not how Christians are supposed to act. Have you ever read the Bible? There's shouting and dancing and trumpets and tambourines and guitars and drums in ancient worship. Somehow... Modern worship that doesn't include that has missed ancient worship as the foundation for what they believe. I'm not saying we're doing it right. We're just doing it the way that we like it, but that it at least has a a biblical reference. Remove people from your life that are trying to snuff out your lampstand. Married couples, go back to you guys. I need you to be honest. If you haven't been loving your spouse with that first love kind of passion, and what changes do you need to make to go back to that? Where your heart would race and your palms were sweaty. And you, you would go out of your way. You would drive out of your way. You would spend money. You would do whatever it takes to be with that person. See, it's okay to be married for 20, 30, 40 years and still have a first love passion. In fact, it's highly recommended in the body of Christ. So whatever, you, in the same way that you need to repent before God, sometimes you need to repent to your spouse. be like, honey, I'm sorry that we've become roommates. That's my fault. Oh, no, honey, it's my fault. No, no, it's my fault, and you own it, and you make a change, and you act like a lover and not a friend. (sighs) Hop up on your feet. I just need to crash land this thing before I say something I shouldn't. (laughs) Wow, okay. You guys turn those lights on like you want me to say something I shouldn't. Do the things you did when you first believed. Even in your marriage, do the things you did when you first fell in love. (laughs) That phrase I hate, don't fall in love, because if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love. Love is a choice. Love is a covenant commitment for the rest of my life, I'm gonna love this person who just walked out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) And spouses, can you be gracious and forgive one another? Like, even when we've hurt one another, can you forgive? If your spouse comes to you and says, listen, my bad, I repent, and your spouse repents, could you try to be like Jesus and forgive him, as hard as that is, and release that debt that you hold against him? Don't be professionally married. Be passionately married. Just forgive him. Let him out of marriage jail. Get away, go rent an Airbnb somewhere. Give the kids to grandma. And just the two of you get away and just just fan that flame of love. Forgive each other. God's such a great example of how he forgives us. So we need to learn to do a better job of forgiving one another. Let me try to go back to the nice part of Jesus' message. Jesus was saying to the church in Ephesus, and I, I believe he's saying to Uncommon Church, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I talked to other pastors from across the country. I was talking to one last week, and he's like, did you have a tough January? We had a tough January, man. It was hard. And I'm like, yeah, it was hard. I had to lie because we saw like 25 people born again. We set attendance records. We set giving records. We saw more people in Freedom Track and Growth Track. I'm like, yeah. Church is tough right now. Church is amazing right now. Uncommon Church is like the funnest thing ever right now. Your love for Jesus, your love for lost people, your love for one another, the way that you give, the way that you serve, the way that you do love holiness and you wanna live holy, the way that you find freedom and freedom track, the way that you plug in to a deeper level of understanding. Like our church is doing really, really good. So I'm super, like the first part of that verse, I'm super proud of our church. Just remember your first love. In your heart of hearts, In fact, let's just do it right now. Holy Spirit, is there anything in my heart? Is there any sin that's been easily tripping me up? Is there any part of my life that I've become a professional Christian? Is there any part of my heart that I've become really good at church but not good at loving you? Holy Spirit, would you please reveal it to me and just expose it to my heart so that I can repent and and turn back to you? Lord, would you please forgive us and wash us and cleanse us? of our selfishness, of our, of our spiritual pride, of, of, of looking down at other churches, of looking down at other Christians, of judging people for the things that they struggle with. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that, that loves people well, that loves lost people well, but also loves Christians well. Jesus, I thank you for this amazing church, these men, women, and young people and children that, that are they're just so amazing. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts that this Valentine's Day, we return to our first love, that we would love you, that we would worship you, that we would wanna spend time with you, that we would think about you, that we would tell others about you, because you're amazing. And Lord, forgive us, forgive me. Holy Spirit, just point out anything in our hearts that we need to change. Just continue to have your your eyes closed, your head bowed, just pray. Just seek God in your heart. If you're here this morning or watching online and you don't know God, you're far from God. You've allowed so much sin into your life. If you died today, you don't know that you would go to heaven. Can I tell you something, God loves you so much, he's not mad at you. No, no, you don't understand, I've been doing the same sin over and over and over and over. Yeah, well, that's, that's gonna all change today because he's gonna wash you and cleanse you and break those chains that you've been struggling with. He's gonna take that weight, that pain, that burden that you've been trying to carry So if you're here this morning and you don't know God, I'd like to lead you in a prayer to repent. Ask God to forgive you and come into your life. And it might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. I find for a lot of people, it's the first time in a long time. Maybe they knew God before, they knew God when they were younger, but they've allowed their hearts to grow cold. They've walked away, they've wandered. Well, today is your day to to go running back to the love of the Father. What about you that are home watching on the live stream? I I was kind of harsh on y'all today. Sorry. I love you. You're doing great. You're tuned in. You're here. You're watching. You're engaged with us. But if you've allowed sin into your life that separated you from God, I want to lead you in this prayer. It might be the first time or the first time in a long time. For those of you that are at home, I, I can't quite see you. But in a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and get right with God. I really want you to do that, even though you're alone watching this live stream. What about you that are here this morning in this room? If you're here this morning and and you're not right with God, I want to lead you in that prayer. It would be my absolute honor to pray with you, but I'd like to know who I'm praying for. Would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, Preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Lead me in that prayer so that I can surrender my heart to Jesus. I've I've got to get right with God today. All right, so I don't see any hands here this morning, but maybe it's you at home. You've got to get right with God today. You've got to surrender your life to Jesus. Today is absolutely your day to get right with God. I just saw your hand. I'm not gonna miss it. I'm not gonna miss it. Good, yeah. All right, for the sake of the one, if you believe it in your heart, won't you pray this prayer out loud? Say, Dear Jesus, I repent, and I return to you my first love the lover of my soul forgive me Lord wash me and cleanse me I receive the gift of eternal life and eternal love for you thank you for loving me thank you for forgiving me Lord help me to return to my first love help me Lord to embrace your presence. Make me a presence-driven Christian. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. amen. For those, for that one, I'm so proud. For those of you that are at home, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you for getting right with God today. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.